0: All right, we're throwing you for a loop this morning. We've been talking about poison over the last few weeks and thinking about and asking this question is do our words matter? And that words bring life and they can bring death. And so we've talked about gossip, we've talked about lying, and today we're going to talk about this idea of criticism or literally a critical spirit. And that, even as we've started, some of you've, you've come and you've seen me and you're like, hey, he's got a shirt, his shirt's untucked, he's got this ugly tie that he's wearing, he's short, he's well. And so we easily go into a spirit of criticism. And what is this critical spirit? Some of us, we couch our criticism and our critical spirit with the spiritual gift of sarcasm. And so we think that if we can do sarcasm, that that allows us to, to kind of mask it or to hide it. But in reality, much of our sarcasm is still critical spirit it's a judging spirit of knocking down and one of the things too that we've discussed over the last few weeks again with this idea of gossip and lying of critical spirit is there's a natural tendency in those and when we gossip and lie and and speak criticism is that there's this thing that we are talking about someone else and bringing them down so that we can raise ourselves up to this fake or faux higher level because if we push other people down with our gossip, with our lying and our critical spirit, it allows us to whatever that we're struggling with with our self image and worth and value to raise up. And so we find fault in others and talk about the faults of others, whether they're real or perceived, that helps us do that. And so one of the areas of my life that this is true is whenever I go into other churches. And so it's sometimes difficult to worship, to set aside my profession of what I do, and to just be a follower of Jesus. And so I'm critiquing, like when you walk in, hey, what's the church look like? Do they have, do they clean the front? Do their greeters nice? all these different things that we think about and are asking questions because it's what I do and think about. I'm sure, like a doctor would go into a doctor's office and they would ask the same questions. How do their people greet people? How do they handle different things? And so there's just a natural thing. And so this morning, as we conclude this idea of poisoned language, I want us to think about this Word or these words of criticism and of a critical spirit. That criticism is an act of criticizing, it's an act of judging, of finding fault, of blaming or, or condemning. Actually, one of the beautiful things in Romans chapter eight, verse one, it won't be up there, but it says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, which is a beautiful thing that because of Christ Jesus, because of what he did on the cross and because of our receiving of what he did on the cross, the gift there, there's now there's no condemnation of us. There's no judging. There's no criticism of us because of we're seen through the eyes of Christ and what he did for us. Do you know someone who has a critical spirit? Do you sometimes have a critical spirit? Maybe you're, yours is couched in sarcasm. I, our family, I think that's our spiritual gift is sarcasm. And so we kind of go around, and there's even been times where you, I have to apologize. If, hey, listen, I was sarcastic and critical, and I shouldn't have been in that moment. It's coming out. and Really, that's the negativity of our hearts finding its way to our tongue. That what's in our heart is finding its way out and expressing ourselves, and that is what we are fighting against. That Sometimes we like to call it discernment, and there is this idea of discernment. There's a good piece to discernment. There's actually a good and valuable system of judging and judgment, but when we move past that to critical, to tearing down, that's the, the problem, that's the issue. A critical spirit says something like, she's so vain, or he's full of himself. But this critical spirit, if it continues to move, can be detrimental and damaging, not only to the other person's psyche, but also to ours as well, to our faith and our mental and emotional health. If this critical spirit is left unchecked, it can move us to this place where we will continually be finding fault with everyone else and with everything else, and we can no longer even find the goodness of God in anything. That we will walk out of here and we will see something that nine out of ten people may make look at that, that is beautiful. And someone would go, ah, the colors of the rainbow are a little drab today. You know what I mean? I mean, that's there are those that have that spirit that they can look at something as unique and as beautiful as a part of creation like a rainbow and can find fault with it. It's, oh, it's not a double rainbow. I mean, we we have that capacity within us. And again, it has to do with our Struggle with our own worth and self value. In the extreme, a critical spirit has this, even this need to remove life and hope and, and even hopes from others. And well, they will have the need to find wrong in others because they, they're struggling with hope and life in themselves, and so they need to remove it from other people as well. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18 says it this way Some people make cutting remarks. Have you ever had those? Have you ever been the recipient of cutting remarks that, that literally, this is vivid language, isn't it? That remarks that someone could say something to us that would literally cut us and harm us and hurt us. Ever had that happen? Have you ever been the one to say those things? Right, The tongue is like a sword. It can bring life and it can bring death. This is that image for us that our words matter. The things that we speak bring life and death to people. Some people can make Cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. They encourage, they lift up, they find value, they find worth, they find hope for others and they lift them up. It's not a false hope now, but is able to tell the truth and love in a way that brings up and lifts and encourages and moves people forward. Literally, as the scripture tells us in Hebrews 10, it motivates us. That words of encouragement that are spoken in truth and love motivate us and they move us and they literally force us forward with the power of the Holy Spirit. They move us forward. They encourage us to go. In the power of the Holy Spirit, we find our worth and value and we're encouraged and lift up. What are some of the causes of a critical spirit? The first one is just our selfish nature. That we are naturally selfish people and that because of our selfishness, we have a desire sometimes to, in finding our worth and value to tear other people down. It's just who we are. We're naturally selfish. Another one is we're pessimistic. But there's a spirit of pessimism and this comes out mostly when you see that hurting people hurt other people. So if you're wounded, you are naturally in your woundedness are going to lash out at others because there's this protection mode that you're in. And so if you're wounded and you're protected, anyone that comes in this realm of you, you're going to pass out pessimism and you're going to hurt and wound others because you're protecting yourself. And so the spirit of pessimism, a critical spirit, comes from the wounds and hurts that you have. Another cause of a critical spirit is that we're sometimes we're just grace deficient. If you've been in and around church... For a long time, sometimes it is extremely easy to become grace deficient, that you've kind of you've got it together, you've cleaned up your stuff, you're able to hide your stuff well enough, and no one really knows you. And so it's extremely easy, even though you're still struggling with your sin, your messiness, you've cleaned it up enough that no one else recognizes and knows it or can. they're not in your life enough. And so we begin to judge other people again so that we can clean up other people's messes while we don't even take care of our own yard. And so we have to take care of our own house and our own yard before we begin worrying about others. Because you've done it—you've driven by somebody's house and you're like, "Oh man, can you? They need to paint their house, you know? Or why would they paint their house that color? Or man, has anybody ever mowed that? I mean, we get into those things. Like, Girl, why would she wear that? All right. And so we have those things, and so that is us not wanting to deal with us inside the mess that we're dealing with, and so it's easier to do with other people. We have a desire to to judge other people based upon their actions and the things that we see rather than the intentions of our own heart. That's that idea of being grace deficient. Also, sometimes a cause of a critical spirit is we're just insecure. We're insecure in our faith that we have a works-based mindset. And again, I think this is Maybe on your how you've grown up and where you've been is that you think maybe even your parents that you would have to work to get things and if you did the right things you would get the pat on the back or you would get the approval of your mom or dad or you would think that you got an approval from your pastor or from from God and so you're continually working and so in that working there's a constant insecurity of what is the next thing I've got to achieve the next thing so if you're an achiever or a perfectionist this is maybe where you're at is that you have an insecurity and so you're constantly moving and wanting wanting that approval and you never, it's never good enough. It's never enough. And so you're always seeking for the next thing. And so there's an insecurity because you're one misstep away from failing and being found out. So that insecurity of constantly, I've got to keep my head afloat. I can't slip. I can't fall. There's an insecurity. Another one that's a cause of a critical spirit is just plain old out immaturity. That it's a faith that's based upon someone else, that maybe someone led you to Christ or maybe you have some people in your life that you kind of look at and they are good people and they're faith people, but you know what, they're people. And somewhere along the way, they fail you, they hurt you, they offend you, they don't do something right. And so if your faith is more in them than in the person Jesus Christ, then all of a sudden they're going to become hypocrites and you're going to see all of the failures. And this is where we get into bickering and begin to judge. And you're like, listen, if everybody's like so-and-so, then I don't want anything to do with faith. And that's the immaturity of our faith when we place our faith in someone else and not in the person who our faith should be, which is in Christ. Because other people will disappoint us. And so many times when other people disappoint us, it leads us to a judgmental, critical spirit. Another cause for a critical spirit is bitterness, an inability to forgive others that have offended us, an inability to forgive others that offended us. And again, so many times people offend us and we don't even they don't even know that they've offended us. And so because of that, that offense, we'll begin to let bitterness root up with inside of us and it begins to take root. We see them in anger and frustration and, and all this stuff comes up within inside of us. We don't want to say anything because good Christians don't say anything, but we got this in here and it's rooted deep within inside of us and we need to get rid of it. And the only way to get rid of a root of something is to do the hard work and to dig down in and to remove all of it. And that is some hard work, and that's painful work, that's reflective work, that even means maybe going and talking to that person one-on-one in a confidential thing and say, listen, you may not even know that you've offended me, but here's how you've offended me, and we need to deal with this because when I see you, I don't want to see that offense. I want to see you as a brother and sister in Christ. And this is something we'll talk about a little bit later on. This is called adulting and maturity, but bitterness. In Hebrews chapter twelve, fifteen. Paul says this, or the author of Hebrews says this, Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Because as we know, when weeds get in, it's hard to stop them. That's why I don't garden. Because I can't get rid of the weeds. They seem like there's. I can grow weeds, great, but I can't grow tomatoes. But that's the hard work. Those that I talk to that grow gardens and do that stuff, it's a daily attention They go around and they walk, they water, they look at, they talk to their plants, they do all that so that they can grow and cultivate the right fruit. And when we don't pay attention to and don't spend time with the bitterness and other things take root and begin it. Before you know it, you walk out two or three days later and the bitterness and other stuff has taken over the garden. One of the other things that's a cause for a critical spirit is friends. Our friends, the people we hang out with. 1 Corinthians 15:33 says don't be fooled by those who say such things for bad company corrupts good character. Now we tell kids this all the time of like hey, make wise choices, right? Because we know that if you're seen with and you are hanging out with people, they do influence your behavior. The same thing happens within church. That there are times that there's groups of people that they get together and it is like a toxic dump waste of words and of thoughts and of attitudes and you can walk by that group and you can feel it and you can sense it in your spirit that hey listen there's something there there's toxicity there and you can feel it emanating it's like a toxic dump just stuff oozing out of them and they may not even recognize it because they're good friends and they enjoy their company together but if somebody walks by there's going to be words or thoughts or attitudes that are expressed and there's division that's caused within churches because of that toxicity. And we couch it in prayer requests or discussions or whatever the verbiage is. But we have to choose our friends wisely and begin to say. Sometimes we have to say with our friends, hey, just shut it. If you don't have anything good to say, as your mama said, don't say anything at all. Words bring life and death. Hush our mouths. Another one, I mean, this is my favorite one maybe, is stinking thinking. Okay, put downs, making fun, sarcasm at the fault to find fault in others. And again, this is the one that hits home more to me because I I I know that I have the gift of sarcasm. And part of this to me is whenever I've done all the the assessments of who is Chris and what moves me and what shapes me and how do I do and how do I view and think is that there there is in me a spirit of discernment. So a spiritual gift high on discernment. And as a part of that, the other side of that is a spirit can be a spirit of judgment. Because I know that when I see things and when I talk with people and do life with people, I have a tendency to see brokenness. I find things God has put in within me, the spiritual eyes within me to see broken things. And my natural desire then is that that is a discernment. That's a judgment that's made through conversation and watching and observation. So through that, then there's a judgment made and I want to help fix that. And sometimes it's my role to fix it and sometimes it's not. But my natural tendency is to want to fix it. So even there's times that my wife comes to me and she will tell me, hey, she has a problem or issue and she just wants to share with me. And immediately I like stop her and I'm like, "Okay, enough. I know enough now. Let me fix it. And what are inevitably what are her words? of? She's learned. I don't even before the conversation starts. I don't need you to fix this. I need you just to hear me. And sometimes, maybe even most of the time in our friendships and in life with people, is if we have that tendency of of discernment, of wanting to fix, to maybe step back and to say, listen, this is not a project, you're not a project, you are a person, you're an opportunity for me to just be a friend and to listen and to hear you. But it's easy for us if we have that natural bit of wanting to fix, wanting to help, wanting to rescue and we will continually go into that. And sometimes we just need to sit and to listen and to be a friend. It's that stinking thinking that happens. And then the other one is the enemy, Satan. He's, his specialty is lying. His specialty is deception. His specialty is disunity. His specialty is causing division. And so when we allow him in, his native language is to divide and to conquer. And so we see that within our own relationships, we see that with our friendships, we see that with our marriages, we see that within church, that whenever we begin to talk and we begin to talk about different things in different ways and a critical spirit enters, before you know it, there's a fight over the color of the carpet and church is split because of something like that, because division, and it's ludicrous, but it all starts with a critical spirit. I even had a church that I was a part of loosely at some way along the way that the pastor and the worship pastor had become disunified. And so that spread, and lo and behold, there was a Sunday where the staff were all out for different reasons, and the deacons and leadership got together, and so, hey, we like so-and-so, we like pastor so-and-so, and this other one's like, I like pastor so-and-so. And before you know it, they had not only fired the pastor and the worship pastor, but they had filed all fired all 40 staff because they found reasons for why they didn't like different people. I'm telling you, that is the way that one little spirit of division and disunity can work its way in, a spirit of bitterness, and the weeds take hold. And before All of a sudden, and that church to this day, a church of almost a thousand people that was moving and doing things, is now a church of a hundred that has this huge, massive building and is struggling to keep the doors open because of that. The tension from the enemy. What are the cures for overcoming this critical spirit? The first thing is this, is just pray for eyes to be able to see, one, our own depth of our own sin, but then also on the other side of that is the depths of God's grace. James 4, verses 9 and following, it says, Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and of deep grief. Now, I know sometimes we've grown up in a place where we're constantly beating ourselves up over our sin, But there's also this tendency of we like to clean up and pretend we don't have anything. And so that God tells us, hey, there should be moments of in his presence, we should be moved by the depths of our sin of the messiness of our lives. And if we haven't been moved by that in a while, then we need to ask the question of have we been in the presence? Are we pursuing God? Is he actively moving in our life or not? And so here, this is this idea of praying for spiritual eyes and say, God, how? Am I doing where am I at would you make me aware of where I have some rooms that I've closed off in my house that I won't let you in there and I think that you haven't seen them but you have and I'm kind of pretending that I've got it together because on the other side of that is we need to understand and be reminded of God's grace. So that when we deal with and we do life with other people and we enter into their messiness with them, we say, listen, my mess is not your mess, but I have a mess and I need to be honest with it. And so let's walk in our messes together and figure out how we together can grow and walk and mature so we can move out of this mess into a place of new life. That your mess may be different from my mess, but we've all got mess. Our spiritual eyes need to be open. The second thing is that we must remove ourselves from the role of being God and judge and jury. Continuing on in chapter 4 of James, don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you're criticizing and judging God's law. But by your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. One of the things that we have a tendency to do is, is to judge other people's actions and the things that they do and not judge our own intentions of our own hearts. It's easy for us to say, oh, I see Joe doing this, I see Sally doing this, and we can judge that and criticize that, when in reality the motives of our heart are even darker and we don't spend time looking in the mirror because it's so much easier to worry about everybody else and their house and their yard than it is our house and our own yard because it's a little bit more painful to do the work. Verse 12, God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? What's the command for us as followers of Jesus is to love your neighbor as yourself in response to how much we love God. So our response should be, our worship should be how we love our neighbor, but so many times we're known for how we judge our neighbor. Another way to overcome a critical spirit is we need to learn to be adults with one another. I've rephrased that for you. But how we can, what we can do when we're bothered by our Christian friends' behavior. How how do we do relationships well? It's better to have, first of all, it's better to have a discussion with God about it. Psalms 139 verses 23 through 34 says, search me, God, first. Before I, I'm going to offer critical spirit and critical things about other people, I'm going to spend my time before God and say, God, search me, know my heart, test me, know my thoughts. Before I'm going to pass judgment on anyone, God, I'm going to put myself before you because here's what I know, here's what I've experienced in my own life and with others, the things that we see in other people, the sins, the struggles, the behaviors that we see in others, most times are the things that we're struggling with the most as well. That we're actually seeing, we're getting mirrored back to us. And it bothers us that we see the sins, the attitudes, the messiness in others that we see in our own self. And so the first response that we should have, instead of going and pointing out and nitpicking other people's garbage, is we should go to our own place and say, God, okay, search me. Am I seeing in others what is really truly I need to be dealing with? Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. So what Jesus says is remove the log from our own eye before we're concerned about the splinter in someone else. Because maybe, just maybe the splinter we see in someone else's it's the reflection, it's the distortion of the log in our own eye and that the offense is within us the next thing to overcome a critical spirit is we must learn to have mature, loving relationships and being able to communicate with one another. Ephesians 4.15, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body and of his church. In other words, if someone offends you, our response as mature adults should be to quickly go to that person and have a discussion with them. But what we tend to do is go to this person and 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 tell everybody about the offense so that we can build a case because we're already building a case to defend ourselves against whatever we think that their response is going to be to our conversation with them. But but to mature adults... One offended should be able to go to the other one and say, listen, I love you, appreciate you, you're awesome, you're incredible, but here's a way that you've hurt me, you've offended me. Can we talk about it? Without having to go to Susie and John and Paul and all these different guys and build a defense, because you've already then, as Jesus talks about, you've murdered the character of someone else, and you may have totally misunderstood, totally misconstrued even what was said and why you are offended, the first thing that we should do instead of building a case with other people is go and have a conversation with a brother and sister in Christ and say, look, here, I'm offended. Can we talk about this? That's the mature adult thing to do. Sometimes in church we don't do that well. One of the other things that we need to do to overcome a critical spirit is we need to be encouragers. We need to be encouragers. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and of good works. Let us think about ways to motivate each other to be encouraged so that when we leave this place, you are truly Holy Spirit inspired and moved to make a difference, so that you can love your neighbor, so that you can have value and worth found in Christ, and that you're about being who you're supposed to be, that that is one of the purposes of coming to church, that you are motivated by one another to move out and to love and to care for people. You're not beat down by, but you're moved forward. Verse 25, let us not neglect meeting together as some people do, but to encourage one another, to lift each other up, to be even in the honesty of the depths of our stuff, to be encouraged. So how then can you offer godly counsel? Because there's going to come times where we've got to we've got to do some of the hard work. And the natural tendency, I think, again, is that we want to talk about the little small things, the little minor offenses, but we never want to deal with the major things. That when it truly comes to the things that are life-altering, the, the true messiness, the true sins that we need to deal with, as a church, we've had a tendency to run away from them. Because we don't want to hurt them, we don't want them to not quit giving or whatever that stuff is, we don't want them to leave, and so we don't deal with it. When in reality what we should do is, those minor things that we kind of have a tendency to gossip and fight about is to let those things go, but the major things we need to sit down as adults and talk about them so that we can, for the desire is we're to grow each other up into completeness in Christ, and that all of us at some point, somewhere along the way, are going to mess up, and we should have someone that loves us enough to sit down with us and say, Chris, this, we need to talk about this. Whether it's your finances, whether it's your relationships, whether it's whatever it is, all of us have opportunities for growth. So, how does that happen? Well, in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus lays out a great plan for us to, to do godly counsel for one another. Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 and following, it says this. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. Now, does it say go to talk to how many other people? It says no. You're offended. Go immediately to that person and sit down and talk about it. Have an adult conversation. If the other person listens and confesses and, and you understand, you, then you've won that person back. That The purpose of this is restoration and reconciliation. So that two that were once one have been separated, now they can come back together. But if you're unsuccessful, take one or two others with you that you trust, that have authority, and go back again. So that everything that you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. And again, this this is an idea of restoration and reconciliation. We, we, we tried this one-on-one. It didn't work for whatever. There wasn't restoration, so I've got to, not just my friends and my buddies are going to help me gang up, but I'm going to choose some wise people that both both of us trust and and can speak life into this because I'm part of the problem too, I'm not the solution. And so the two together come and and we talk through this and work through it, again, for the idea of reconciliation. And if that doesn't work, because sometimes it doesn't, if the person still refuses to listen, take it to the church. Take it to someone, and and again, with this idea of, hey, how how can we offer godly wisdom and counsel into this with the idea of restoration? Not to spread gossip. So at this time, there's only four or five people that know about this, not four or five hundred. And I know in a small town, it feels like sometimes it is like, things go back, wildfire. I mean, there there are times that my daughter in Memphis, Tennessee, knows about things before I do because of Twitter and all this stuff. I'm like, how did you even know about it? Well, everybody's talking about it. Like we just sometimes you just need to shh. Hold the information. You don't know all of the truth. You don't know all of the story. Just hold on to it till you know all of the facts. Characteristics of this godly, healthy conflict and talk and all of that is one that it's face to face. We're talking to each other. It's private. It's out of a spirit of love. It's fact based. And we're not pulling in rumors and stuff, but that we truly have the facts and we're sitting down and discussing over the facts. And we're focusing on the majors, not the minor little things. Because sometimes we can get offended and from that it just kind of gets in and we get into the weeds and we start dealing with all kinds of other stuff. But it's focused on the majors and it's timely. Like I said, a garden that's left untilled and taken care of for two or three days quickly gets out of control and relationships that are an offense that need restoration and reconciliation. Time doesn't heal all wounds. There's times that we've got to get in, and you've got to do the hard work. You've got to do the surgery. You've got to do the digging in the soul the soil to root out those bitterness, to root out those offenses, and to get it done quickly so that restoration and reconciliation, because if time don't handle it quickly, then it will fester and it will boil over, and it will become gangrene, and it will have to lop it off. And everybody said, well, what happened? And -and so-and-so made fun of my tie. And the next thing you know, you laugh, but you know it's true. Little bitty things fester. Bitterness. All this stuff roots up. And the next thing you know, people are leaving. They're fighting. They're not tithing. They're not whatever because of X. Our words matter. Whether it's gossip or lying or a critical spirit, the scripture says our tongue brings life and brings death. My prayer for all of us is I've, this is the one that's hit home with me more than anything. As I've told you, I have the spiritual gift of sarcasm. Sometimes I like to say it's encouragement, but it's my way of disguising That, hey, I've moved from discernment and fixing to calling out. I have a tendency to be more like the older brother and a prodigal son. Where I've even though I've been in the presence of God, I haven't fully enjoyed his presence. And get frustrated sometimes with the prodigal. And saying, God, why don't I get what they get? And God says, you've had me this whole time. Why haven't you enjoyed me? And so, again, that's, I see in me the, that spirit of sometimes of moving from discernment of wanting to be close to the Father, but also not enjoying the full presence. And so my prayer for us is that our words would bring life and not death, that we would be conscious of the fact that when we talk, say, is this gossip? Is this lying? Is this even just a little bit of a sliver of deceit that I will gain benefit? Or is this a critical spirit where, Father, that that may again, may I find my worth and value in, in who I am and how you've uniquely created with me and to be satisfied that you've made me me. And to quit trying to be someone else, to quit trying to measure myself against someone else, the money they make or whatever that is, That we find worth and value and find our worth and value exclusively in being a child of the King and enjoying that. And for lack of a better term, just shutting our mouths and listening more. Let's pray together. Father, you know our hearts best. You know every single one of our lives. You know every single one of our Attempts to gossip. You see through our sarcasm. You see through our. Even our false encouragement. Father you are the most discerning of all. Father we just pray for us. That we would. Listen more with the two ears. That you've given us. Father, as Jesus told us in Luke and other places, that we would do and say unto others as we would have do and said unto us. Father, may we love better. And maybe one of the ways that we can do that is just keeping our mouths shut and listening to the stories of those around us. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.